Welcome into episode 46 of the Pegasus podcast presented by Night Sports Now. I am Bailey Adams and I'm joined as always by Christian Simmons. You can find us on Twitter at BaileyJAdams22 at by CA Simmons and go ahead and throw us a follow at Night Sports Now while you're there. Um, Christian, we've got a lot to get through on the podcast, but um, in true Pegasus podcast fashion, news dropped right before we we're about to record or a little bit before we're about to record. And that's uh, UCF's home schedule for 2022. I almost said 2021. For 2022 uh, was released today and kind of just in conjunction with the the school announcing that season ticket prices will be going up what? Uh, as as they prepare for a move to the Big 12. So there's that. Um, so let's talk about it. There's the, the one weird piece of news. Well, I don't, know, I don't know if it's weird. I don't know if anything's come out since you might know that I haven't seen. Um, UCF dropped a home game with FIU and is instead playing South Carolina State. So as far as I know, and sorry if this isn't correct, anyone listening to this happens to know the correct answer, in 2020, UCF and FIU were supposed to play, and they did yes. not play because it was a COVID year, but it wasn't like FIU had COVID issues. FIU was just like, well, it's a weird year, so we don't want to play that game. And I think that just kind of like ruined that relationship between those schools because UCF has gone on to, now, now we know publicly, it's been the case for a long time, cancel every remaining game with FIU. <laughs> that they had. So I think it's just kind of from that. I know at the time that that was apparently like a, a sore point that FIU was just kind of like, sorry, we don't want to play this game. I completely missed that last year. Yeah. Have we never talked about that? I don't think we have. Yeah. Because I, yeah, I don't think I've, I've completely missed that a year yeah. ago and I'm finding out now, but huh. I don't, I don't remember if it was either FIU never had COVID issues or if it was like they did it first and then had like six different weeks that the game could have been made up. And we're just like, nah, we're good. Thanks though. Yeah. I, I just um, always assumed but, that they had canceled it because it was just like, they weren't really doing much, many non-conference games last year. Like some schools just didn't do any and some schools only did like a one or two. Um, yeah. I don't want to get more into it than that in case I'm wrong. Cause this was all stuff that I got told like eight months ago at this gotcha. point, but there was, there was something there that that way it was kind of like a contentious thing. Weird. But yeah, well, so they got so you know SC State FIU potato potato. If we're being honest, you're um, not wrong. I mean, and I'm not. That's not even like a joke. No. <laughs> like, let's be real. Yeah. Did you see SC that thing State. that when FIU Butch Davis on the way out was like, "This is a horrible program. Um, we're using nine-year-old uniforms. They, they're using Mississippi State's shoulder pads from a decade ago because the school won't even pay for new shoulder pads." Yeah, honestly, I think calling saying that like SC State and FIU are on the same level or probably can insult to SC State. Honestly, now I think about like I'm willing to bet that SC State's like pads aren't that old. Like I'm, I'm willing to bet that they have newer pads. And basically, FIU is a poor man's USF, and that's never Oof. a spot you want. You don't want to be a poor man's version of a poor man's version of something else. Yeah, that's not great. I mean, that's tough. But anyway, anyway, so should we, should we, yeah, list the rest of the home, the home, and, and we have the road schedule. Yeah, the rest of the so the rest of the home schedule is um, Louisville and Georgia Tech, as expected in the non-conference. And then um, the conference home schedule, which I don't remember if this has been like, well, I guess it's because they hadn't had it scheduled. We out. didn't know. We didn't know this. Right. We didn't know. This. No. Yeah. I knew that. I just was like, it yeah. seems like they're scheduling it out earlier than normal, but actually it's later than normal. Um, yeah. Cause the, we, we, could we could educated guess right. on some of them, but this, this, yeah. So UCF will play in, in conference um, in the AAC in AAC play. We'll play Cincinnati, SMU, Temple and Navy at home. And then uh, on the road, they'll have South Florida, Tulane, Memphis, and I'm missing the other one. East Carolina, because we go. always got to get that game with East Carolina in there. As we've talked about, you see, this is the last time. This is the final meeting of the Pirate Night rivalry. I can't wait so. till they schedule a non-conference series. I swear, now nah, there's no way. There's no way. <laughs> uh, well, we'll get about that later. Speaking of non-conference series that aren't going to continue, <laughs> get to that later in this podcast, but. The main thing that sticks out to me about the schedule is a couple things. First off, you know how like Houston this year got to cakewalk through the AAC because their schedule was a breeze? Yeah. That's UCF in 2022. This schedule is like so nice. Every single team they lost to this year, not good when you have to list out like every single team, like it's a long list, but <laughs> every team they lost to this year, they get it home next year. They play, yeah. of their 12 games, nine are in the state of Florida. And their road slate is like dumb easy. It's like, Honestly, I think at this point, East Carolina is the toughest road game. My voice got very high as I tried to uh, figure <laughs> depending, that out. But. Depending on how Memphis balances back, I guess, I wouldn't expect Memphis to be, like, as iffy yeah. as they are. But, but yeah, based yeah, on I mean, what we know now. So I looked yeah. at I have the I have the records, the combined records for this season of the home and away teams. So the home teams, which you want that to be the better record because you want to play the good teams at home. 
their combined record right now of the teams UCF's getting at home next year are 39 and 37. The teams UCF's playing on the road are 34. <laughs> Yikes. That's a great schedule. Yeah, yeah. and we've, I mean, we've been talking about it a few times, even though some people disagree, but what can I say? I'm smarter than some people. <laughs> that next year, I'm really not. I just have different opinions. And I you know, like to act like this about it. Um, that next year can be a really, really good year for UCF. The wild card there now at this point is just who the quarterback will be, depending on what Dylan Gabriel does. But honestly, let's talk about, like, for a quick second, let's say that, like, the catastrophe scenario happens and Dylan Gabriel goes to Ole Miss and or, I don't know, somewhere else. Ole Miss. Ole Miss, sure. I don't know why. I just feel like if he transfers, that's where we'll go. I have absolutely no, like, insider it feels like, yeah, that. It just, it just feels, feels like a like, foregone conclusion that if, if he does leave, that's where he's yeah. going. Basing that on nothing, it just, like, my thoughts. But, um, you know, so it would still obviously be a worse year. You're going to be better if Dylan Gabriel's a quarterback, but what are your two scenarios? You either have Mikey who at this rate we can say is having a really solid true freshman season. He's really yeah. gotten better game by game, which has been interesting because both Dylan and Milton got worse as their freshman seasons went on, which isn't uncommon, but Mikey's gotten better, which I find interesting. So we either have him back for his sophomore year or you have uh, Castellanos who was like put on God's green earth to run them all on offense. So it's yeah. like, I, I, don't, I don't know. I think next year could be a really good year. I do too. And I, yeah, the thing is like, I thought at the beginning of this year that it could set up to be a really good year for UCF, you know, if, if without the injuries, it could have been, but the one thing we did say, like, even from the start was that this is one of the tougher schedules UCF's had in a while. That's not necessarily going to be the yeah. case next year. So it just seems like it should be set up and kind of on that Keen point, like I have something I want to talk about with Mikey Keen, but I was kind of going to throw it in with the UConn recap, but do you have no, anything else now. on the schedule? Um, yes, I okay. do. Um, it, it, you no, never mind. I said that. I was going to say they play nine <laughs> games in the state of Florida. But I don't know okay. All right. Well, then this kind of yeah, this ties into something you just said about Mikey Keene's freshman season, and we'll go ahead and jump into the UCF UConn recap. Um, Spoiler: UCF won the game. While we do that, yeah, they won forty-nine to seventeen. Um, I saw some people talking about Mikey Keene earlier on Twitter, as people do on Twitter. Um, I did and not see this. It was maybe, maybe I, said, I said people's really just one comment that made me do some research and it kind of triggered me. Um, <laughs> so people, someone was talking about how, how much better Mikey's gotten in the last few games. And they're like, oh, well, that's because like the schedule's gotten a lot easier. And no, the schedule at the front. so yeah, when I, I, looked up, I looked up the they split it into the eight starts that he's had and split it up into the first four and the last four and just looked at past the past defense rankings. So Navy, this was his first four. Navy was 87th. ECU was 66th, Cincinnati, the outlier, was second, and Memphis was 108th. So it's not like the front four were like loaded pass defenses that were really amazing, and he that's why he struggled. Now the last four, Temple, which this, this might surprise you, Temple was tied for 16th in the nation in pass defense. You're, you're right. That does surprise um, me. So they're kind of the outlier of the last four, but then there's T Tulane, who's 111th, SMU, who's 124th, and UConn, who's 99th. So, yeah, I mean, the last so, so let me say really quickly. So you're saying that the second best pass defense Mikey played this year, he put up five touchdowns. <laughs> exactly. And so in, in when you split them up like that, I mean, obviously Cincinnati in the front, in the front four is the outlier. And then in the back four, T Temple's the outlier. But it really hasn't been like this drastic change in like, oh, the teams that UCF has played like lately has just been so much worse. That's why Mikey's looked better. I think he's just looked better because he's looked better. No, people are like, keep pushing this take that oh well the second half of the season is just so much easier that's so like it's like there's really not much of a difference it's just UCF looked worse in the first half yeah. I mean Navy's awful Navy's the worst team UCF played this year probably outside of obviously Bethune and maybe Temple and like that that like and they lost and then they lost god my voice is cracking a lot today. <laughs> I apologize that is the second time I got my uh COVID booster today I'm gonna blame it on that I don't know if there's like a scientific okay. well while we're sharing that's my medical, side while we're, while we're sharing medical things about ourselves I have an ear infection so I'm only hearing like half of what you're saying, kind of. I feel like That's this is the second works. podcast you've had an ear infection. Am I wrong on that? I feel like um, no, I had an ear. I had I had some kind of ear issue earlier in the year. Okay, I thought I remember that. I, I like that whenever on. there's the medical thing, we do let people know. Well, I did a podcast with COVID, and we didn't say anything, so I guess that time oh. we didn't. I guess but, we did. Uh, other than that, yeah. Um, anyway. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. No, the schedule. I mean, you look at the front of the schedule. It's like, okay, let's look at it. Let's let let's break it down here. You got Boise. I just realized I'm looking at Mikey King's game log, so it's just not the full schedule. Um, Boise State good 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 hard you know so fine we'll give you that Bethune Cookman not FCS team who was after that Navy no Louisville it's like okay Navy awful East Carolina meh 
Cincinnati really good. And then you look at the second half, it's pretty much the same mix. You've got Memphis, who's like the same level as like most of those teams. SMU obviously is really good. Tulane's a lot better than the record. It's like this whole, the schedule is easier in the second half, but not like, not to the point that it would be like statistically different for the players across the board. That's the part I can't get around. It's really not. And I don't really understand it. I just, yeah, I saw that comment earlier and I was like, that's not even true. This is, and I, I talked about this with Dylan over the summer and people need to quit it because it's getting annoying. They want to like every single quarterback that since Milton, like fans just don't like. I mean, yeah. that, that's literally, they didn't like Mac. They didn't like Wimbush. They didn't like Gabriel. Now they don't like Keen. It's like, at some point you have to like a quarterback. That's not Milton. I had you that same thought that earlier. Cause I know we've talked about that a lot on this podcast, honestly. Cause it's, it's so childish. It's just like, I mean, it's, it's always been a thing. It's, and it's probably everywhere you look, it's like the, the backup or the, the next, the next option is always more popular. It seems like than the current option, as long as the current option, isn't like a, some superstar. You yeah. But UCF's in the rare scenario where it's, former option is much more popular like they just want McKenzie Nolan again yeah and I get that and like the part I'm confused about is Blake Bortles was very good at UCF like very good I think he's like I've been told he's really good but I'm not really including just because that you know for those reasons Bortles is definitely right behind Milton for like best player in history of the program and I do not remember people hating like Holman or DeNovo I guess for (laughs) just because he wasn't Bortles but that has been such a thing left yeah it's it's been weird it really has been um but because <laughs> it's funny that we, we to do this and then i remember um so that play that mikey had against yukon where he ran for was a 30-yard touchdown beautiful play little milton-esque we do these comparisons Very anyway like it was a little milton-esque he's uh mikey keen a dual threat now i mean i think uh do it for more one more than one play but yeah i mean like, like Malzahn said in his presser, both pressers, the after the game on Monday, that the big thing there is just even doing it once a game. It's like now defenses have to be thinking about it for every play, you know, and that and that changes what you can do on offense. I think we're going to see more of that. I really do. He looked good on that run, and that's what was so confusing when he wasn't running. It's kind of the same thing we went through with Gabriel, honestly, this yeah. freshman year. Was his high school tape, like go watch Mikey's high school tape. He's running all over the place. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's not like a true dual threat, but he was he was more like when the opportunity is there, he knows when to take it. And we didn't see that at all this season. And that play was a perfect example of just taking the opportunity. And I, I think seeing that literally once or twice a game, and I'm not talking about a 30 yard touchdown, just him keeping it and picking up five yards of first down yeah. is enough for to change what you can do on offense. It opens things up for you. Well, it's funny because I think we talked about it a little bit when he first, uh, in like his early starts was that like we had seen someone his high school tape that like, yeah, he moves around a bit, but it seemed like we were kind of wondering is UCF, like does the coaching staff kind of want to dial it back a little bit just, I don't know, because he's, because he's a true freshman, because he's, you know, a little smaller, because for whatever reason, and maybe it's, it's gotten to the point where, yeah, like we're later in the season and they feel a little bit more comfortable with allowing him to do that every once in a while. And yeah, like Gus said, well, if, Gus if really if put it make, on Mikey. I really. mean, Gus said, uh, yeah, he said in the presser after the game that they've want, they've been leaning on Mikey to do this. And, and Gus, I think Gus straight up said as a quote, like he said, I told him like, you know, at some point you're going to have to keep some of these. And so, and I get that from Mikey's perspective a little bit. Cause like, you know, the guys you're playing in college are quite a bit bigger than the guys you were playing in high school. So it's easy to make the safe choice and just let that be Johnny's problem or Bowser's problem. But yeah, yeah I, you know, whatever, whoever's fault it is, or whatever reason, I will say the one thing with Malzahn saying that is like, you don't inspire a ton of confidence though. If you're still putting in Gatewood and or Navarro every time you have a run play, but that is true. Which by the way, I guess, speaking of that, Navarro's just passed Gatewood in the depth <laughs> chart. That's, I mean, I, and I kind of get it because he looks better. I mean, yeah, he no, he's better. he's been running it more effectively, which is he's he, he's, he's a, I'm trying to figure out the white the right word. He's quicker, I think. Like he's definitely smaller, but I mean, he's he's a lot quicker. You he know? just seems elusive, like because mm-hmm. Gatewood's such a big guy. Gatewood's like we'll just can try to run somebody over, but it seems like <laughs> this is probably a weird way to put this, but it feels like Navarro's just like slippery. Like, uh, okay, I, that's I've, actually like I was trying to look for a word and that kind of fits it. Yeah, I feel like he'll get kind of into a pile and then somehow just like escape through it and score a touchdown or, you know, pick up an extra few yards that he wasn't going to get otherwise. And his style is completely different than Gatewood because Gatewood is that big kind of bruising body. But we've seen that a couple times where basically both lines just clump together and then and then Navarro just trots out on the other side yeah. of it. I think the touchdown like, against you know, SMU is kind of like that. Yeah, all basically all was like that. Yeah, it's funny because we were they were acting like I don't think they're acting. Like, I think they flat out said that Gatewood was hurt for SMU. Clear, I don't know if he was, but clearly not the case for uh, who they play UConn. UConn. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because he came he in late. Him, yeah, we saw him late. He comes in, and I'm like, hmm, <laughs> that's that's an interesting duel. But it's funny because I even texted you from the press box. I think it was you. 
that I was like, Navarro's better than Gatewood, right? Like before we knew Gatewood yeah. was healthy, I was just like, he looks better. So yeah, I still guess. think the two quarterback thing is dumb, just especially if Mikey can run, just do that. But yeah, I don't know. I think until we get that, you know, maybe it's Castellanos, but until we get that quarterback that is really going to run Gus's offense, maybe we're just going to keep getting these little like close to the goal line backup. Well, you know, if Mikey gets named the starter next year, we're just going to still have it with Castellanos. That's true. Yeah. I mean, Cause they're going like to want to get yeah. for at least four games. I would assume. Yep. So. I, I'm still as much as I love Mikey and I think, well, I don't know. I'm not going to say, I think he should, cause we just don't know it's too soon. I just feel like if Gabriel leaves, it'll end up being Castellanos. I just feel like he's starting from day one. I don't know, man. I don't know. I, it, it's interesting to me. Cause I just, for Gus, it's like, that's the guy you recruited, you know? And that is true. We've it's, seen over and over again, how coaches lean on the guys that they brought in, you know, it would suck. It would that suck for Mikey for sure. And it's, it's interesting that you, you kind of brought up this point last week where you said, um, if Gabriel does leave, it p- puts next year in a worse situation. But if you kind of look at it longer term, if Castellanos is going to be your guy, do you want to play him next year and then go into the Big 12 with him already having a year of starting under his belt? It could be. I, I feel like we should say neither of us are like pushing like for oh, a no. transfer from Gabriel. It would no. still be significantly better if he stays, but it does, if he leaves, it does help 2023 the transition, I think. Because yeah. for the reason you just said, I mean, you know, you, you don't have a new quarterback. Because the thing I'm curious about is so say that Gabriel stays, which I still think is like, obviously, we've said it before in the podcast. The ideal scenario is Gabriel stays and then 2023, uh, what, what would that be? A, a red shirt sophomore Mikey and a sophomore Castellanos. I hope that was right. Battle for to take over for him for 2023. That yeah. would be the ideal scenario. Uh, I, but there's so many factors. Like, even if Gabriel stays, Mikey has gone from having an up and down freshman year, just a really solid freshman year. And as we're seeing this off season or like not even this off season, just into December, what the transfer portal is going to be like this year, it's really starting to feel like free agency. And it's kind of like, you know, uh, th- he could start a lot of places. I think that if my, and it's like, are, is it really, are we expecting Mikey after this good freshman year to agree to not only ride the bench for another year, but then not even be guaranteed a starting place here in 2023. So it's kind of like, uh, do we, is, does he stay, you know? So I, it's, it's a good problem to have. Well, not really. In a way, yeah, in a way it is a good problem to have, but it's also kind of just a painful problem to have. And it, it eventually will all work itself out, you'd like to think. But, I mean. Yeah, I, I mean, you, you hope. But it'll be interesting to see. I'm really, really curious to see what Dylan does. Um, yeah. Like we've said, there's not like it's not like there's any hard reporting out there that he's going to transfer. He's even going to consider a transfer, but it's just – in this era of college football and with the way the world is set up now, that that's kind of almost the expected outcome in these situations. So I'll, I'll be very curious to see what he does. And we might not know anytime soon. I mean, yeah. you know, it's, it's not like he has to transfer into sign. He could do it. He could wait till, so he could go through spring ball and transfer after if he wanted to. I mean, he yeah. might want, if you're going to transfer, that might be preferable because you're, you're going to want to see other schools where their quarterback situations ended up after spring on the flip side. Maybe you want to be there for spring. Yeah. To that's the system, but I don't know. That's the flip side of it, but I, it'll be interesting. It, it'll definitely be interesting. Um, I don't know. Do you want? Sorry, I would say because now I'm thinking about this because college football free agency is brand new, so we don't know how it works. Is it better to be there for spring to get in the system, or is it better to wait because then schools are gonna be more desperate? Like the schools that are out there who come out of spring ball, like oh dang, we don't have anything at quarterback. I would you imagine know? it would probably be in most cases it would probably be better to be there for spring. That way you're yeah. you're there learning the offense and you're already competing for the job because then otherwise you're really just hedging your bets and saying like all right you're hoping that a school is going to be desperate enough to be like, okay, yeah, you come in and you're going to be the starter or you have to be very, very confident that you're going to be able to just come in during the summer and beat out whoever's already there. The other thing for Dylan is transferring is a big risk as always, because at UCF, like I can't, um, like he's the starter next year. If he comes back, I can't imagine they'd even have a competition. And I think so. That's not the case anywhere you transfer. Like I, Dylan Gabriel is one of the best quarterbacks in the country, but there's no school that's uh, except like a Mac school that like, I'm assuming he would go power five. No power five school is just going to be like, you're not even in the door. Sure. You're the guy. They're going to be like, we invite you to compete. Yeah. So it's a risk. It's an interesting times, interesting times. I Isn't expect you have to benefit a lot from these interesting times and bring in some good guys, but we'll yeah. see. We'll see how it goes. Um, elsewhere uh, from the UConn game, we don't have to harp on it too much because it was UConn, but I feel like we need to apologize to Johnny Richardson, maybe. Like, again, oh, I it was need UConn, to but You didn't say anything. That's true, but I'm part of this podcast. So I feel like a lot of times we get like clumped together. Like, oh, the Pegasus podcast said this. So, 
I hope I'm not getting clumped with your prediction record. But um, anyway, uh, Johnny Richardson, yeah, last week I just was like, bench this dude. It's not working. <laughs> um, in my in my infinite wisdom and showing how much I understand this team and the sport, uh, he had the best game of his career by like a mile against UConn. Against yeah. UConn, to be fair. But still, anyone you're playing, he rushed for 147 yards and a touchdown. That's pretty good. So I'll shut up now. I, I will stand by. He played awful against SMU. I oh, he did. He terrible yeah. in that game. But whatever. He showed, he showed a lot of flashes. And, and as Gus harped on, he's still young. So I'll shut up. I still think uh, MAR is better. And he also had a really good game. Yeah. And uh, you're giving me a face like you don't agree with that. No, no, I do agree. I'm just saying, like, I, I, don't, think, I don't think you're wrong. It's just, I think we probably jumped on it a little bit too quickly, but I still would stick would stand by MAR being a better running back. And I think going long term we'll for see, sure. Yeah. We'll see, we'll see more of him. But we'll also still see Johnny. I mean, there's obviously Johnny, like he said, you said, he's still young. Um, and then who knows? I mean, next year they're going to add, they're going to add Jordan McDonald and then get RJ Harvey back. So it's going to be, it's another thing. It's going to be interesting at every position really. And especially with the way college free agency is about to work, it's just everywhere is going to be. Well, that's Crazy. the thing, because you look at, so what you just said, okay, so next year, as far as running backs that should be, like, contributors, you got McDonald, you got Richardson, you got MAR, and you got uh, RJ Harvey, who it's easy to kind of forget about, since, you know, he's been yeah. injured, but, I mean, like, do all four of those guys, like, stay? <laughs> like, in yeah, this I don't era? know. Like, I'm, I, obviously, McDonald isn't, isn't going to come in expecting to right. start or anything like that, but if you're, you know... If you're Johnny, or if you're MAR even, nah, because MAR's already transferred. I don't know. If you're Johnny in particular and you suddenly find yourself like third, third in the depth chart. Yeah. Like, as a junior, you know? Because I mean, because RJ's already transferred that? too, hasn't he? Yeah. And RJ was a corner quarterback before this. So I'm not really expecting their chance. So I guess it really yeah. just comes down to Johnny. And I, and again, this is just us talking a lot. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to like. Right. Yeah. I, we got to be careful about that because sometimes you say stuff like, I'm just like thinking way ahead here, like down the road, if there's this many good running backs, will one of them maybe look to leave? I don't know. It's a new era of college football. I know I've said that nine times on this podcast, probably sick of <laughs> saying that, but it is interesting. I'm just, it, it, cause last year was kind of like the gear up version of it, but like this off season is going to be full on free agency. And Especially I don't think any of us know what that's going to look like. Yeah. Big time. So, so. who freaking knows how things are going to work. I mean, you, I mean, I think, and that's the other thing. I think that the big, window not to again go back to the topic we said earlier but might be after spring ball because what happens when all these guys realize where they are in the depth chart and say this isn't working for me so i think you're gonna have the initial window after the season ends of transfers and i think you're gonna have this whole second transfer window if you want to call it that barring from soccer right after spring ball it's interesting it'll be it'll definitely be that's why i feel like i do feel like the offseason might be a little more fun there's gonna be more to talk about because the offseason is already so long as it is but i feel like there's just going to be non-stop stuff going on that's yeah we can get four podcasts out of gabriel leaving i mean that's like that's a whole month's worth of content <laughs> again we don't know if he's leaving no one it's not even we don't know if he's we don't even know if he's considering leaving yeah like it's just like it's just it, like there's so much like smoke about it on twitter and i feel i feel like literally no one like i feel like this just invented itself it's not even like information came out it's just that's that's what you talk about now well like we said last week it could have it could have been traced all the way back to us back in week three god i hope not I hope not. I don't um, like to think we have that kind of power, but anyway. Okay, last thing on UConn. We spent way too much time on this. We're but I just still to, on UConn? Just want to shout out a couple of uh, strong defensive performances. Tatum Bethune had a half a sack and a, uh, one and a half tackles for loss. John Powell had a sack and two tackles for loss. Big Cat Bryant had half a sack and a tackle for loss. Um, gosh, I need to get down to the interceptions. Cam Good had an interception. Devod Wilson had an interception. Justin Hodges had an interception. It was a it was a nice nice afternoon of fun. Really, just nice to not have to stress about anything uh, throughout the whole game. So, you want to move on? <laughs> we don't have to talk about UConn anymore. Yeah, I can't believe how much time we spent on UConn. Let's never do that again. Well, we we won't because they're not playing. I don't think we have to. Um, college football playoff <clears throat> expansion and this new twelve team oh, yeah. format that um, you're going to break down for us because you're you're the expert here. Yeah, this isn't new. This came out like a week and a half ago now, two weeks ago, but we yeah. just forgot to talk about it on last week's podcast. So it's where things are at now. So for those of you who don't know, the playoff, uh, not the committee, the actual like conferences and the representatives have been like debating about what to do about the playoff and the Alliance in their wisdom, you know, if you don't know, the Alliance is the Pac-12, the ACC and the Big Ten for some reason, uh, decided to like, so everyone, I, I should back up over the summer, 12 team model was like introduced as an idea with six highest ranked conference champs and six auto bids. The Alliance, which is made up of two conferences that are going to miss the playoff this year 
um, decided that might be too many teams. Again, these are two conferences that are not going to the playoff. We're like, maybe we only need eight. And it just screwed up everything because then it went from having a model that people agreed on to just like a bunch of BS. And it sounds like, and this has been reported in a couple of places, I think Sports Illustrated and Yahoo both talked about it, the model they're closest to settling on, a big emphasis on closest because nothing's a done deal, is a modified 12-team model, which would still be a 12-team playoff, but instead of the six highest-ranked conference champions, it would be the five power five champions and the highest-ranked group of five champions. So basically be the exact setup for the New Year's six bids now, except those are playoff spots and then six auto bids. Um, that sucks compared to the one they introduced over the summer, but it's way better for UCF. So we it kind of sucks. Have to it, it sucks for the group of five compared it to sucks for one. a lot of reasons, but yeah. yeah. And, but it really just, and basically this is entirely about the PAC 12 because I mean, we're looking at two different years here where a group of five team might've gotten over in the PAC 12 team. It would have happened last year. could happen this year. Um, but anyway, so the reason it's big for UCF is because nationally there are some people, there's not a lot of them, honestly, but some who are still trying to push the dumbest narrative in the world. The big 12 is not going to be a power conference without perennial power, Oklahoma and five win team, Texas. So, and like, I, and I realized that, so I was listening to the Andy Staples show and this is, for those of you who don't know, I spend my entire week just listening to college football podcasts. Like I listen to at least two a day because I, I have problems. Now. Yeah, it's stupid. I, I, need, <laughs> I need to find other ways to occupy, occupy my time. But the Andy Staples show, it's Andy Staples and Ari Wasserman. Ari Wasserman's the recruiting guy, and he's under the impression that the recruiting rankings are the only thing that should be considered in college football. Great guy. Um, I actually really like his content a lot. He just needs to stop talking sometimes. But um, And they're having this debate about like the jobs in college football and like which jobs are the best. And they start talking about, talking about TCU. And Ari Wasserman goes, well, you know, TCU, I mean, they're a power five job. I mean, Paul's, he's like, well, they are right now. I mean, they won't be starting in uh, 2023, obviously. And Andy Staples interrupts him and was like, oh, well, you know, did you see the new playoff format? Apparently it's going to be a five plus one with the bid for the Big 12. And Ari Pausen goes, oh, okay, they'll still be power five then. And that's so stupid, like so dumb, but that is how a lot of national people and fans are going to see it. So if UCF gets in writing that the Big 12 is a power conference, if that's what it takes, fine. Because I can totally see if they go with the old model, the six high champs, that people just try to sort the Big 12 in with the AAC or the Mountain West. And so if you get in writing, though, that the Big 12 champion goes first off, that's massive for recruiting, like huge, because now UCF can sit down any recruit and, and stay with a straight face. And there was a whole article about this. Ari Rossman wrote The Athletic on recruiting. It was really good. Stay with a straight face. We are the Florida team with the easiest path to the playoff. Come here and you will make the playoff. You're not making it in Miami or at Florida State because they have to get through Clemson. You're not making it at Florida because they have to get through the SEC, which at this point, especially once Oklahoma joins, like what is Florida going to be like the sixth best program in that conference? But they're going to say you can come to the Big 12, which is going to be the most wide open power conference and compete for a playoff spot here. I mean, it's going to completely change recruiting. So we have to like, as UCF fans, like dramatically and heavily root for this format to get approved, like heavily. We need to go all in on it. Yeah, which just shows, I think, how what a difference like a couple of months can make. Because if UCF was, you know, staying in the AAC, if, if all this uh, conference realignment wasn't happening, obviously this format would be way worse if, you know, for the group of five. And it is way worse for the group of five. But it's kind of at the point where like UCF like doesn't have to really worry about that as much. So yeah, it's, well, it's, it's and, on the rooting and, for this one. Yeah. I mean, this is, and like I said, it's just what is best for college football and what is best for UCF no longer align, which is unfortunate, but yeah, if you're a UCF fan, you've got to root for this. And like I said, this has changed so many times. So we'll see, but as of now, it seems like this is the model that's going to happen. And you get in writing that you are a power conference till the end of time. There's not, I mean, there's nothing that can, happen that changes that the big 12 no matter what has an auto bid to the college football playoff they are a power conference end of story so you gotta yeah. root for it all right so before we move on to usf um and the war on i4 all that talk uh do you like what's do you know what's next like have they been saying like is there gonna be another meeting anytime soon or i, I don't really been keeping up with all of that crazy i believe another, meet, another meeting in december coming up okay um and basically where we're at now is they're targeting the 2024 season Right. And we've basically reached the point where it's going to be either they're going to agree on the 12 team model I just talked about, or they're going to stay at four. That, that's kind of just what we're down to. Yeah. Um, I think that the way this season is playing out is going to dramatically swing things towards the 12 team, because we are at the point where both the ACC and PAC 12 are not going to make the playoff. Yeah. And they should probably some introspection and especially for the PAC or not the PAC 12, the PAC 12 has known this and they have a new commissioner who finally gets it especially for the ACC, because the ACC, we talked about it over the summer. What is the ACC without Clemson? And they got to see this year. And it turns out the ACC is nothing without Clemson. 
I'm not saying it's right or fair, but no one nationally cares about Pitt. No one cares about Wake Forest. Like they, when Clemson is down, they do not have programs that people care about or want to watch. And you saw that in the playoff rankings. So they got to do some introspection there. So I, I'm expecting this thing to happen. Um, everyone wants it. I, I, I mean, or everyone has a reason to want it. Even the SEC is like, great, we'll put a billion teams in every year. Works for us. Kind of same <laughs> for the Big Ten. So a group yeah. of five is the only. Oh, and Mike Oresco came out and said he opposed it. And that pissed me off because I get it. I really do, especially from the group of five perspective, especially since the AAC is no longer the clearly the best group of five conference once these changes happen. But, you know, you get a group of five team in the playoff and you have to start somewhere. You do. Yeah. It, it, st- going on principle and just having nothing instead of this, like something is better than nothing. And it's dumb that he doesn't see that, but whatever. I'm not surprised. Um, Christian, the war on I-4 this Friday, Black Friday. Yep. Um, it's like, it's, it's a last of sorts. It'll be, it'll be the last one for, at least for a while at the bounce house. I'm going to um, go so far as say it's going to be the last one ever at the bounce house. Ever, you think? I mean, they don't, there is not a window where they can play for literally a decade plus. And college football landscape changes so much. Yeah, I've said it on a past podcast. <clears throat> if they don't play for a decade, I don't know if this rivalry still exists. Yeah. Like, what's I mean, the it, motivation to play it again if they don't play for 10 years, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. I just, I don't, you never know what's going to happen. So I can't be like, oh, it's the last one ever. Sure. It could, I mean, it's, it's the last one for a very long time. Yeah, it, it definitely is. And, and it know. may be the last one that feels like a rivalry game. So I don't know. That's it fair, sucks. Yeah. I really, really, really don't like that UCF appears to have no interest in making <laughs> prioritizing this. Like, like, and you know what's like really dumb is the people who are like, oh, well, like USF did this to UCF. Like years ago, it's like, yeah, they did. But you know what? We all talked about how stupid that was. And USF yeah. ended up act, helping to accidentally destroy a power conference with that attitude. So I don't like, and I get that it's a lot of it's on USF schedule out so far, but like it, UCF has made it clear they have no interest in continuing this. And that's dumb. It's stupid. So that's my, that's my rant for that. As far as the legacy of this rivalry, I mean, it goes back obviously to, you know, before the AAC days when USF did say, Hey, we're not playing you anymore. And, you know, we've moved on from, from beyond having to play UCF and all this stuff. And so that's a lot of where where a lot of the, the hatred and all that started, but I feel like the legacy of this rivalry will in a lot of ways be that 2017 game. Because there's never been anything that's really like measured up to that, and I don't. There never will be. Apparently, I think the legacy of this rival will be just like potential that was never reached. I mean, I and I think the, the 2017 end, game is it showed that it's the highlight of that. Yeah, because yeah, you, I mean, you have this rivalry that stretched when they first play, like '04 or something like that. Some some rivalry that stretched close to 20 years, and never were they on that 2017 season was the one year that they were both at their peak at the same time. Yeah. And you had a 10-year stretch where USF was flying high and UCF wasn't. Then you've had a 10-year stretch where UCF was on top of the world and USF was horrible. So, and we saw from 2017, I mean, that game, like 4 million people watched that game. Like that, this rivalry, like if they had both been good at the same time, could have just been, it could have defined the AAC, to be honest. And it, yeah, sucks, and it, that it sucks that it never did. And it's funny because it's still, I mean, obviously this game is still being played on Black Friday, but I feel like with that game, the way that game went down, if they were both at their peaks, like if they were both, at that level every year and they're playing those kinds of games on black Friday every year. I feel like this rivalry would have become a staple of, of black Friday, like the day after Thanksgiving. You know, it's so been... funny because that, and not even like a game that is decided by seven points and a crazy kickoff play, just them both. Like, I mean, that game was a plan for the AAC championship. If that yeah. game had regularly been with the new year's six on the line or just a championship berth on the line. I mean, you remember that off season, that was like ESPN ranked at the third best game of the year. And all the, I remember it was so funny to me because that fall when the new season was starting and, you know, whenever you're in preseason, like especially that July stretch, everyone just starts making stupid clickbait crap. And so many websites did they're like, oh, best rivalries in college football. And suddenly the war on F4 was like on every list, like top five, top yeah. five rivalry. And it's like, man, if they could have just sustained that. And, and honestly, every step of the way it's been on USF. It has been because they, they didn't let UCF into the Big East. And they and then they stopped playing them. And then they got to the AAC. And as UCF continued to invest in its program and grow its program and grow its fan base, USF was completely apathetic and let its program fall off completely. I don't know what the long-term viability is for USF. I'm going to make a very long-range prediction right now. And you can laugh at it, but college football changes. Okay. I'm going to predict that in 10 years, 10 years from today, UCF will not be the only Florida team in the Big 12. Okay. And the other one's going to be FAU. Ooh. I'm serious. Imagine. I at this point, what does USF have over FAU? FAU has an on-campus stadium. 
FAU has better facilities than USF. FAU is in a better recruiting spot than USF. FAU's had more recent and long-term success than USF. And FAU at this point probably has a better fan base than USF. I mean, like what, why other than just the fact that USF was once in the Big East, what when you put those two programs next to each other makes you think USF is the better one? Especially now they're going to be in the same league. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's, that's what's going to change is the fact that they're in the same league. Because I think perception-wise, it's really just like, oh, yeah, USF was in the Big East. And there's so much of like, oh, what, like what USF could be if they invested and if they got a new stadium and if they like really just, you know, they could be on such a different level, but they're not. And I don't know, like, there's always still, like, oh, well, maybe, maybe they get there eventually, but you know, they're who's to say to. that, who's to say that FAU is not going to get there quicker and, and get that bid to the big 12. FAU is investing in their program. That's how you get there. That's what UCF did. The fact that USF, all you needed to know about the future of that program was that UCF their hated rival off the field, like a university that they have gone to war with, a school that they have kept out of conferences and tried to snuff out from being important, is going to a Power Five conference. And they are not. And that they did not the next day or even the next week approve an on-campus stadium or lay out a plan. They just, they didn't react. They didn't react in any way. And they had one board member be like, I think we should maybe talk about a stadium. And they haven't. And that's all you need to know. Like this is their doer's eye moment and they're still doing nothing. It's sad. It's honestly it's, sad. And they deserve it, but I really do feel for their fan base. I really do. Because it really it's just, is there's no future there. It really is insane just how many times it's like, oh, like we'll we'll see about an on-campus stadium. Like, oh, I mean, I think I think we should look at look into that. I think we maybe should do that. And everyone gets all excited about it and they're like, oh I, uh, well, maybe not. How about okay, let's put the let's put a pin in the stadium. How about an indoor practice field? How about a football building? I it's like they just they don't invest in their program. Their big woohoo go us thing was they opened a locker room. Like I just, I just they, they don't invest in their program and they're failing on the field. It's just, it's ridiculous. And the thing that's crazy about it is like, it's not like that it's just in the middle of nowhere. Like it's just some like random, like they're in Tampa and like I'm, I've grew up in Tampa. I live in Tampa currently. It's like, why like, it makes no sense for them to be as poor as they are. I'm not even saying financially. I just mean like in, in just in, in every, in every way. They're in a is I think Tampa's a bigger TV market than Orlando. I think they're I a think bigger so. TV market. And it's not like there's some small school. They have 50,000 students. Yeah. They are UCF. They have every advantage UCF has except if UCF, when they start their football program, like put the team on the field and said, We're done. Yeah. That, that's the only difference. That's literally the only difference. USF think, could be UCF. They just don't try. I mean, I, it's I think the only excuse, and this isn't really an excuse for them to be apathetic toward like investing in the football program, but it might be. Uh, one difference between the two is that Tampa is very much like a pro sports market at this point. And uh, the USF is probably like, that's a defeatist fifth, attitude. Fifth that, that's, defeatist I know. I mean, attitude. I'm, I just, I'm not saying that's why I'm not saying it's not a, it's not an excuse. You know, LA is one of the biggest pro sports markets in the country. Well, it's the second biggest market period, but it's a huge pro sports market. And when USC was rocking in the early two thousands, they were the main attraction of that town. You yeah. know, it's like, I hate when teams hide behind that. It's, I get you know, it's it sucks because for UCF, but come on. Look back at the Big East when USF was having, you know, better seasons and they were they're having 60,000 people inside that stadium. Yeah, and that's the that's the point is you're, is people use that as a crutch of, well, they have the Bucks. People are Bucks fans there. Yeah. So your crutch is that that is already a town that loves football. That's your crutch. It's like, yeah. are they playing the same day as the Bucks? Are yeah. they going, like, what are you talking about? Like, it's just, it's, it's such rough. a defeatist game. And, I, and they rough. hide behind that constantly. They, and whatever, they're just, it, like I said, and I know a lot of UCF fans, especially the older ones, because for younger UCF fans, like it's hard to describe and maybe there just isn't a way to describe how vicious this rivalry was off the field. I mean, USF tried, did everything it could to kill UCF. Every you say the name, you say the name Judy Genshaft and oh, you know, older, older <laughs> UCF fans. Yeah, exactly. Like you're going to get that kind of reaction, but newer ones are so, kind of like, yeah. Hey. So a lot of the older fans are enjoying this and I, to an extent, I'm enjoying it too. And I'm not like, I'm not sitting here rooting for USF to come up and challenge UCF, but it's just, it's gotten to the point where it's gone from funny, haha to just like shockingly sad that they are really this apathetic. I, I, I don't know. You know, I don't, I don't know what you say. If you're a fan, like I just, especially like dire fans, like I can't imagine with how much I care about UCF athletics and have my whole life. I can't imagine if I cared that much about something that didn't even try to be good. You know, the weirdest thing. Well, one of the weirdest things to me though, about that fan base is that there's still a segment of that fan base that like thinks it's above UCF. You see tweets every day. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know where that comes from. Like 
never have I seen a fan base with like fewer things to like hang their hats on just take this kind of like arrogant attitude and you see it like you see it a lot during like war on i4 week and like usf ucf hate week whatever it's just like they pick the weirdest things to like be <laughs> like oh like this this is what we have over here it's like okay like if you if you objectively look at these two programs and you know the, the, what the trajectory that they're on you're no one no one is going to say oh yeah usf has a better future like oh i'd rather be in usf's position i don't understand like there's just some people and i know it's it's a small minority it's people on twitter it's just the people that you know get into these kind of arguments on twitter it's just like what are you talking about what are you looking at and the thing is we're at the point where the last time that usf was objectively a better program than ucf was more than 10 years ago now yeah I, I, I just, it, I, and that's crazy to me that, yes, yeah, some people stick with that. And I don't know if it's just like a defense mechanism. And I think that a lot of USF fans, maybe the more casual ones are still in the boat. Oh, well, once we get this thing going again, it'll be just like it was in the Big East. And it's like, well, guess what? You're going to be getting it going against North Texas and Rice. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how that's going to work out for you. But I just, yeah. you know, the, the AAC and what it's, turn, what it's become is this group of five conference where everybody in that conference is basically just trying to prepare themselves best for when the Big 12 inevitably adds two more teams. Yeah, and and I don't I don't even think I put USF in the top five of teams that are going to be considered when that happens. No, I mean there's I think if you, if there's adding two, Memphis is already a shoe, and it feels like and Boise State's going to yeah. San Diego State. There's a lot of teams out west in the American. I would put I mean I'd obviously Memphis ahead of them. I'd even put SMU on that list. I know they got issues with TCU, but at some point, I mean they let yeah. Houston in. You know, yeah. Um, we'll see what I mean. UTSA is like a like a newer one, but they're having a really good year right now, and they are in San Antonio. They've got a lot of the UCF blood there. Yeah. I just there's a lot of teams that there's a lot more reasons to be bright about their futures not necessarily big 12 expansion like I don't think UTSA is going to the big 12 ever but like to be more excited about their future than USF like most yeah. of that conference honestly except Which rice is... I mean rice isn't doing anything but, yeah. <laughs> a lot of shots at rice on this podcast kind of weird I can't um, believe rice got into the AAC I just can't get over I don't think it. anyone it, can it shocks me on a daily basis the one thing um I will say about the Warren I-4 is that I sounds like and it seems like it should continue in other sports which i'll, I'll enjoy that I, I do especially being in tampa having the opportunity to go probably like, what 25 30 minutes away and see a ucf game um it'll be nice but I mean, and i think i think like we see like in other sports too like women's basketball especially but then there's women's soccer it's gotten that way kind of in men's soccer and even baseball and softball where like they're much more on the same playing field in terms of you know competition and so it makes it more fun. We see like in all these other sports, what the rivalry could be if USF's football program was better. So, but the problem is like, and maybe that can keep the rivalry on alive on life support until they figure out how to play in football. But like, even for like a serious UCF fan, like, let's be totally honest when you, yeah. USF beats UCF in football, it feels like you've been stabbed in the chest multiple times. When UCF beats USF in soccer, you shrug and go on with your day. Uh, you know, it's like, it's just not the same. It's just yeah. not even close. And that, and I'm not like trying to like, you know, like put down other sports. Cause you know, I mean, you know, I mean, I'm, we're probably right. like the 1% of you fans <laughs> of all the other sports, but you just have to be realistic. And that, that is the way it works for fans. And I will say too, is that it is that way right now. But I think once the, the, bri- uh, the bridge kind of widens a little bit, when the conference realignment happens, it might not be as close anymore. I don't know. But, well, but that's the thing is you look at what you see. I know where this podcast is going to go long because I keep going on yeah. tangents. I'm making, I'm going on tangents like nuts here. It's like I'm creating the multiverse in Marvel. <laughs> um, the other thing is you look at UCF, the Big 12 is one of, if not the best conference in like a lot of sports mm-hmm. outside of football. And I'm not trying to, but I'm not arrogant enough to try to say that for football, but it is 100% the best basketball conference. It's up there for baseball. It's up there for a lot of sports. Yeah. And as UCF, gets better recruits and more money it's like what in five years are you is usf going to be competitive with ucf in any sport even remotely yeah that's that's the one thing that i don't know if if that's going to hold up over time um but you know what let's go ahead and get into our our preview for preview predictions for friday's game ucf hosting south florida they opened as an 18 and a half point favorite um not high enough for christian to get ucf should i I mean ucf should get six more points just for them firing their coordinator over the weekend yeah, that I mean that happened. So USF doesn't on. have a defensive coordinator. No, they and, have two now. They're, I mean, it's a previous like linebackers <laughs> coach and coordinator and someone else. But congrats to them on their promotion. Well, it's funny we talked a little bit last week about how people were like, "Oh, I don't know." Like after the SMU game, people were like, "Oh, like I don't know." Like USF could beat UCF. And then you know, going into last Saturday, South Florida playing 
Tulane, another, you know, Tulane was what? They were two and nine or two and eight or going into the game. They were one like and that. nine going into the game. One and nine going into the game. And Tulane absolutely wiped the floor with them. And it wasn't even just killed. Wasn't even competitive. Um, so I feel and like apparently Jeff Scott, the head coach, if you don't know that, and Glenn Spencer, the fire defense coordinator, if you don't know that, like were had a shouting match or something at halftime of the game because Jeff Scott didn't like what the defense was doing, which I guess is fair when you're giving up 45 points yeah. to a one win team. But man, I mean, that was Tulane's first FBS win of the year. Not, a, not ideal. So, which Tulane's better than the record. They are better yeah. than the record, but getting killed by them isn't great. Not, um, yeah, not ideal. So, um, yeah, I don't. I, like I said, I wasn't worried about this game ever. And I know fans keep like telling me, Oh, I don't know. It's like, I'm even, I'm not even like close to worried about it now. Look at what I'm, happened to Florida when they fired the defense coordinator. I'm not either. The only thing, and that's just, just how it always gets says, like, Oh, it's a rivalry game. You know, who knows, but no, nah, I mean, I think I, that's I'm, totally made up. I think that's, I think that's like a dumb superstition to be honest with you. I don't know. I've, I've, heard, Everyone coaches, says I've that. heard coaches talk about it before and say like, yeah, I mean, you kind of like Gus said it on Monday. He said, you throw the records out and, you know, you, you it's, right. it okay. means that, but it's, it's really, yeah, I know coaches say it all the time. It's their cliche players say it too. And here's the thing. Show me a single war and I four game where the team that was supposed to win didn't win. Yeah, that's fair. Hasn't happened. I, I right. think that's just like, I think it's just like coach speak. I don't think that's true. I don't think the teams magically play different now. Some right, like incredibly intense, right? It was like the egg bowl where like people will actually like kill each other over it. Then like, yeah, like it, maybe it's a little different, but I think like 90% of rivalries is total coach speak. Not really. Yeah. All right. You want to jump into predictions? do it all right um what's your record we gotta do our records all right, i went two and one last week i think that might have been my really? first yeah i think it might have been my first winning record in the whole season maybe nice so i'm five i'm five and 28 now you got of, as many predictions right last week as usf has wins on their season hey um i'm on the come up i am five and 28 you're what 12 and 19 we said at the same time so you are five and 28 yes i am 12 and 19 okay okay you're nice. coming back eh, um, not really all right hit me with yours um, so this is one that's, and I, I think I went back to being super specific with mine again this week. So it probably means I'm going to go over three. Um, <laughs> and I have all these reasonings and all this stuff, but it's probably gonna go over three anyway. So I've got Mikey Keene throwing for at least 250 yards, um, uh, for the first time this season and throwing two plus touchdowns. And here's the thinking behind this South Florida, 124th ranked passing defense. They've allowed 250 plus passing yards in seven of their 11 games, five out of their seven AAC games. And the further, you know, galaxy brain idea of this is Mikey Keene needs to put himself in a position to go into the bowl game with a chance to pass McKenzie Milton's freshman record, or not records, but freshman stats. And he could do that if he has this kind of game. If he has 250 yards and two touchdowns, he puts himself in a pretty good position with a good bowl performance to have more passing yards and more passing touchdowns than McKenzie as a freshman. I feel like we should specify he already has a lot more passing touchdowns. Right. I meant, um, oh, that's what I think. My thing was that, um, <laughs> no, it was it was that he could get to double of what McKenzie had. Okay, all right, because I'm like you're saying that, and I'm like he passed. That's him right. Like yeah, no, I forgot to write that down, but that's what I meant. That's okay. that's the target number that I'm looking at. Is I think it was McKenzie had ten, right? Yeah. Yeah. So Mikey's, Mikey's at fifteen. Minutes. So Mikey needs five more over the next two games to double McKenzie's passing touchdowns. I feel like he. I feel like cautiously optimistic he'll hit that. I do too. I can see him having like three and two. You know, why he needs like to put himself on a good good uh trajectory this week depends on the bullet point yeah, um nice. yeah i i know I, I could totally see that happening i think dylan gabriel would throw for like nine touchdowns on this <laughs> i don't think that prediction is helped by the fact that there uh there is not like a defensive coordinator to stop mikey so that uh that yeah. helps um let's hear your first one my first one is uh that ucf will win by 21 plus points and then that means you'll get a Chick-fil-A I'll Nuggets meal from my dad. Chick-fil-A Nuggets meal, because I bet, for those of you who didn't listen to that episode, I bet Bailey's dad a Chick-fil-A Nuggets meal at UCF will win by 21 or more points. I originally <laughs> said 14, and he negotiated me up, but I'm standing by my take. I just need UCF to win to get a chicken sandwich, so. Was that all you bet on? Yeah. Wow. He, he, he told me that USF would beat UCF, and this was a couple weeks ago. He doesn't feel very confident about it now after last week, but. Um, we also had a whole debate because I was like trash talk told you I was like tell him I like ranch with my nuggets and you were like you like ranch with your nuggets <laughs> yeah because then you call me basic for liking Chick Fil A sauce so that is basic eh, whatever it's the um, most ba- there's two there's two basic things it's OMG I love Chick Fil A sauce and OMG the pumpkin spice latte is back like no, that, that's what ninety percent of the world had my first pumpkin does. spice latte like a couple like a month ago yeah well. Huh. I like them, but they're not like crazy. It's a little, it's a little too sweet for me, honestly. I was like, I don't think I'd get this again. I get Starbucks a lot because I am basic and like I don't know. I rarely get the pumpkin spice latte. Yeah, I mean to be fair, I just started drinking coffee like three months ago, so 
Well, that's the great um, thing about Starbucks is it doesn't taste like coffee. It just tastes yeah. like delicious syrup. Which Should we get back to our prediction? Um, oh, I, I forget. Okay, wait. No, never mind. This is food related, so I won't talk about it. I tried to I tried to get a Bojangles chicken sandwich and they wouldn't give it to me and I hate Bojangles now. I just want to put that. <laughs> um, All right. They, they argued with me. I said I'm at their drive through and I'm like, you serve chicken sandwiches starting at 10:30. It says on your website it's 10:45 and they're like, no, we don't do that till like 11. They said like. They said like 11. <laughs> Screw you guys. So I went and got a Popeye's chicken sandwich instead. And it was good. Anyway, um, so happy I just gave you my prediction. So I'll go ahead. And happy for you. One. My second one. Um, I've got Brandon Johnson catching at least one touchdown and the caveat here is that he will retain his spot as the AAC touch uh, receiving touchdowns leader by the end of the weekend. Why do you like, why do you add the caveat? That's just going to make it that much harder for you to get it right. Because it's fun right now. He is the leader. He has 10 receiving touchdowns and the next closest I believe is just nine, but he needs to have (laughs) one or two, (laughs) just have one or two. Who has has nine? You know, I'd like Um, to know who they play this weekend. So here, let me let me bring this up. It's uh, Nathaniel Dell from Houston, Danny Gray from SMU, uh, Rishi Rice from SMU. So those three, and then Calvin Austin from Memphis has eight. You know who Houston plays this weekend? Um, I don't. UConn. You're kidding me. <laughs> that's not even. That shouldn't even be allowed. Oh, good luck on that one. Um... Wow. You got to stop. You just got like, I was with you. It's like, there is no reality where Brandon Johnson doesn't score a touchdown on Friday, <laughs> but then you had to be like, and also, and well, make no, it my thinking is, so say, say he catches two and he has 12 by the end of Friday. Do you think that anyone from that has nine is going to get catch four touchdowns? I like how you add by the end of Friday, like there's a timer for them to get the touchdown. <laughs> no, I'm just saying for him. So like, because UCS game is Friday and then going into Saturday, I don't know when it, I don't know when the other games are, but and say by the end of the Saturday. weekend, Okay, yeah, so on Saturday. So do you think whoever it is is going to catch four touchdowns on Saturday to beat him? Yeah, but the problem is your base prediction was Brandon Johnson catches a touchdown. Now we're up to Brandon Johnson probably needs two, and even if he has two, you still could get it wrong. No, I think he could still – so he needs to have he needs to have a share of the lead for the conference. So if he catches one he has 11. So you're saying someone can tie with him and you still get the prediction, yeah, right? Cause he's, yeah, because he's still up in, in the lead. Okay, okay. I feel good about I'll, it. I'll, I'll allow that. Thank you. Go for it. Uh, my second prediction is that UCF will have its best home crowd of the season. The current, which UCF's just been kind of like lying about attendance, in my opinion, this year, but the best <laughs> crowd is they said they have UConn's attendance is like 37,000. There just were not 37,000 people at the game. Whatever. Everybody does it. Um, oh, there was that uh, some USF, that USF Oracle, I don't know if that's their like paper, got the turnstile counts for USF this year. <laughs> and they're averaging like outside the UF game, UF game, they're averaging like 18,000 people who are actually showing up to the games. And honestly, that's higher than I would have anticipated. Yeah, I wouldn't have expected that. But yeah, they always get a good crowd for USF. Even in 2015, which I don't know if you guys knew this, but UCF was 0-11 going to that game. They still got 25,000 people to show up yeah. for that. I was one of them. And uh, so, yeah, I think they'll get that. I think that'll be their best home crowd of the season. I think it'll be a very good crowd. USF returned all their tickets. That shows where their fan base is at. Um, but yeah, should be a good one as far as solid prediction you took a very weird pause there but that's fine. well no because you you kind of cut in and out so i was waiting to see if you were still oh talking. i didn't know i cut it out okay i finished talking i look and you're staring at me sorry yeah. uh what i said when i cut it out was um well, i didn't know when i cut it out so i don't know what i said <laughs> um you steps could have a good crowd yeah no i yeah i got you i'm with you um my final prediction is that ucf will finish the game with a turnover margin of plus two or better um they're plus six on the season Tied for 25th in the country. South Florida is minus four on the season, tied for 96th in the country. You just gave me a look, so. I did. My final prediction is that UCF's defense will have multiple interceptions. Interceptions, okay. Yeah, two interceptions. Timmy McLean, as apparently even though he's better than uh, Mikey Keene to some of you, um, has thrown five picks in three games. And he and uh, as most true freshmen do, he is getting worse and not better, which isn't like an indica- it like isn't like something against him. That's just always what happens because yeah. they burn out. People don't, you, don't, you don't talk enough about how the fact that, like, when you get to college football, you're playing, like, a lot more games and against more physical teams than you do in high school and it takes a toll on you. Yeah. But, yeah, so I'm expecting multiple picks by this defense. So Nice. We line up on that one. Yeah, we do. I made it a little harder than you because you can get yours a lot of ways. I need two yeah. picks. If it's a um, fumble that, like, looked sort of like a pick, I'm going to count it for mine. But Of course you are. Um, yeah. That's that's where we're at. Score prediction right. time? Score prediction time. Um. I didn't know if I, I was telling you earlier, I didn't know if I wanted to give you the, the Nuggets meal with my score prediction. I love Turns how that's what we're basing it on. Turns out I did. I've got UCF 42, South Florida 17. 
So so the UConn score minus a few points. Yeah, Seems sure. All right. Seems all right. I've got 35 to 13 UCF. Okay. Did, is that the same one that you did like two weeks ago? Oh, you said 35 to three, I think. I said like 35 to three. I've, okay. I've, I've, I've given them 10 more points. You've given them 10 points. All right. Yeah. I forgot I did that. That was not what I was basing that off of. But yeah, I'm taking yeah. 35 to 13. So I don't, I don't expect, I don't think UCF is going to like blow the doors out off of them. I don't think it's going to be competitive. And let me get ahead of anyone who comes at me on Twitter because I've been tweeting for weeks to stop you worrying about this game. If it's a close game, could happen. Could happen. Who knows? Whatever. The, the, don't come at me because what I said is there's no chance they're going to win. And if they win by like nine and you show up in my mentions, like, oh, oh, Christian, just don't because that's not what I said. And you know that's not what I said. I would like to point out that if that score happens, you get your Nuggets meal by one point. How's that? No, I don't. Oh, my score. Yeah, yeah I did that. And I did that intentionally. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I figured. No, because originally I predicted 35 to 17. I was like, whoops, wait a minute. So then I, <laughs> you, got, uh, you got to go, yeah. Shaved off a few points there. Yeah. True. All right, bowl projections. Added oh, a few I forgot more. about this. Added I a few more them. in here. You haven't looked at them? Nope. Cool. Sports Illustrated has uh, UCF in the Boca Bowl against Central Michigan. Sound fun? <laughs> Sound fun to you? Honestly, listen, I'm going to be in the minority in this Sign me up right now. UCF gets a guaranteed bowl win, and it's in Florida. Hell yeah! Sign me up. All right, I'm two, so on board with that. Two four seven, the Hawaii Bowl versus Nevada. Not a, not in favor in any way. Yeah, would strongly prefer not. These next two are very interesting because so Athlon has UCF in the Gasparilla Bowl against Florida State. So I think they mm-hmm. think that Florida State's going to beat Florida on Saturday. I think a great many people think Florida State's going to beat Florida. U- on Saturday. USA Today is not one of them because USA Today has UCF in the Gasparilla Bowl against Florida. I am. I don't want the Florida State one at all. Yeah. Um, I have exactly zero interest in Mackenzie Milton being on the opposing sideline against UCF. <laughs> um, like none. That would be cruel, and I would question the religious beliefs of a person who would try to make that happen. Um, but yeah, as far as Florida, I'd be totally down for that. Totally down for Florida in a bowl game. I think right. UCF could be Florida. I, I, Florida sucks right now. I mean, and, and now that Mullins out. Like, yeah. I don't like, is, is anyone on that roster going to be like, yeah, let's go Gasparilla bowl. Well, they don't no. have a coach. And I mean, I mean, I bet anyone who's drafted eligible will be playing that game. And, and we'll get in the lovely scenario where UCF will beat Florida and Florida fans will whine until the end of time. These guys didn't play. And it was a meaningless bowl game. Whatever. UCF won. You lost to Florida. <laughs> UCF's going to throw that at every single recruit. They're going to say that literally every recruit, they're going to say, look what happened. You know, you're talking me into wanting this. Um, CBS sports still has UCF in the military bowl against Virginia. I'm fine with that, too. Um, they lose that, but I'm fine with it. Brett McMurphy has uh, UCF in the Hawaii Bowl against Utah State. No. You know what's funny is there? it's just his prediction, but I'm getting irrationally like angry at Brett McMurphy that he keeps <laughs> trying to put them in He's the Hawaii with, yeah. And it's not like it's just his prediction, but I'm just like, stop it. Don't do that. Mark Schlaubach uh, from ESPN has UCF in the Birmingham Bowl against Missouri. You pronounce that guy's name different every single week. I don't. I need to just start calling him something else. Mark S. Mark S. <laughs> Mark uh, against against who did you say Missouri Missouri nah I'm good I also like don't want to go to Birmingham well then Kyle Bonaguras is not going to be your favorite either because they've got <laughs> he's got the Birmingham Bowl against Florida so so we've got you know what's scaring me is that people are starting to predict this Florida thing yeah I, we're seeing a few of them now you know who's and, not uh, predicting Florida who the athletic who are they predicting the cure bowl against app state shut up <laughs> athletic good god <laughs> someone every week that wasn't even who was predicting the curable no it was, was um it was hawaii bowl season bowlseason.com was the one that was doing curable against app state and i didn't have theirs this week because we're recording this on tuesday and they come out with theirs on wednesday so All someone right, had to say curable against app state listen i maybe even though i just said it i maybe want the birmingham bowl florida one more than the gasparilla bowl florida one no because no hear me out because i worry about it turning into a florida home game if it's in Tampa and Birmingham, it would even things out more. Yeah, I'm not saying so. I'm not trying to like dis UCF fans, but let's be real. There's a lot of Florida alumni in Tampa. But do you, do you feel like they would be just like the same as like the players were like, I'm not going to go watch Florida in the Gasparilla Bowl? No, because I think people from Gainesville or out of state are going to be like, I'm not going to watch Florida in the Gasparilla Bowl. I think the hundreds of thousands of not Florida sure. fans who already live in Tampa are going to be like, oh, hey, they're playing in my city. I'll drive 20 minutes to watch them. They got 65,000 people. I mean, they packed USF State. It'd be interesting. It'd be so, an interesting atmosphere. So, I, I, I UCF would get a lot of fans. I, yeah. I think UCF would get a ton of fans, honestly. But I still think it would be mostly like largely Florida fans. So, could be fun though. I'm rooting um, for it. 
I'm rooting for it. I'm all in on playing Florida. Well, we'll see in, uh, what is it, like a week and a half at this point? Right. We win no matter what. We win no matter what. If, if, yeah. if we lose, we just use that in recruiting and say, like, this is why we need your help. <laughs> and if we win, yeah. we, just use, we just use that in recruiting. Say, we're already better than Florida. <laughs> so, Fair enough. I like it. Dub's a dub. I like it. Let's jump into some quick football news. Uh, Kalia Davis and Ryan O'Keefe earned COSIDA academic all district honors for this season. Um, this is an interesting, interesting bit of news, not official yet, but uh, Mackenzie Milton's mom, Teresa announced she was promoting a, a new shirt that Mackenzie has coming out. Um, he announced that he's been invited to the hula bowl, which we played at the bounce house on January 15th. I still haven't seen an official announcement that he's like accepted an invite or been invited, but I would imagine his mom would know. So uh, I, I think he's going to be in the game. Yeah. I, I would imagine his mom would know. I don't think she would just this say also that. isn't the first time Teresa spoiled something in advance. So That's I think fair. we're just going to roll with it. <laughs> But um, I mean, I can't wait to go. I think yeah. a lot of UCF fans are going to be I bet they'll get like 20,000 plus people at that now. Yeah, I was trying to buy like, I was just trying to buy my ticket the other day. For some reason, it wasn't working on the website. But yeah, that's that's the plan is to be at that game as long as McKenzie's there. Um, Johnny Richardson was named to the AAC Weekly Honor Roll for his um, you know best performance of his career against UConn uh, last Saturday. Who was named um, there? Johnny Richardson. Okay, sorry. Yeah. And um, we talked about it earlier, but UCF has announced that season ticket prices – uh, will increase beginning in 2022 as they prepare for their move to the Big 12. So that, I, I knew that was coming. just wasn't sure when that was coming. So see how my bank account does with that. It's, it's Supposedly, it's not like a huge, drastic increase like per game. You know, it all adds up, I the guess. The people but. I know who have tickets, none of them have seen like dramatic increases. Okay. Yeah, I haven't even checked my email to see what mine is, but I don't I won't expect it to be that big of a deal. Um, going to probably do it any, either way, so. They know that, that, that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be all in anyway. Uh, three notable things. Volleyball has um, – they've clinched the AAC title for the fourth straight season, uh, which means they have an NCAA berth because there's no AAC volleyball tournament this season. They did away with it after a couple of years. Um, yeah, you're giving me that look. I didn't know that either. I did um, not know that. <laughs> they won 3 they won 3-0 against South Florida on Wednesday and 3-0 against Temple on Friday. On Friday with that win over Temple, they clinched a share of the conference title, but then on Sunday, um, you know, they were uh, i forget what the result was but they got word that they officially were the aac champions for the four straight year so they're now back in the ncaa tournament um they still have two games left they play wednesday at tulane and friday at houston before the selection show on sunday night they're 24 and 6 overall and 17 and 1 in the aac mckenna melville was named the aac offensive player of the week for the sixth time this season um, continuing her strong season and strong career Women's basketball, they won 59-38 at Virginia last Wednesday and 57-45 at home against Belmont on Sunday. So they're now 3-1 and one heading into the Cancun Challenge this weekend, facing Idaho State on Friday evening and USC on Saturday afternoon. And finally, there's men's basketball who won 75-59 at Evansville on Saturday. They're now 4-0 for the second time under Johnny Dawkins and just the third time in the last decade and a half. And for that, they're receiving votes in the USA Today poll heading into Saturday's game at home against Oklahoma. So a lot of, a lot of fun stuff going on right now. Um, again, we talk about it every week, but both basketball programs are worth paying attention to this year. That's for sure. Popping off. And Christian, we've got your uniform of the week. Yeah, we do. I'm also against it. I hate that softball thing. I need to look up why they did that. But anyway, um, I, mean, I don't wait, hate that what? they won the, I don't hate that they won volleyball? the uh, volleyball, volleyball, volleyball. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I don't hate that they won the conference. I just, I don't get why they did that. I don't know if it was like a cost or anything stupid. Anyway, uniform of the week. Uh, I'm going to make this brief because we're very long right now. Um, before I say uniform of the week, I have to correct something I said last week. I said, I didn't know how the new Nighthead would work as a decal. And I was skeptical. I was incredibly wrong. It looks freaking awesome in Crumb Gold. As you saw the combo this week, black helmets are back. Everybody very, very excited. They faked out everyone, including me. <laughs> really cool. And yeah, no, it looks great. I was super wrong. My favorite thing about it is the shots where there's no light. Because one of the complaints about the Krungle decals for like years has been they look really cool when sunlight or light is hitting them, but when it's not, it sort of just looks off. And now when the when the light is not hitting this, the Krungle goes dark, and you just see the white nighthead eyes like shining out at you. Yeah, it's really freaking cool. So yeah, I was very wrong there. I, I, I can admit when I'm wrong, and that was bad take. Bad take, Christian. Big. Fan anyway, here's of a good take. Here's a good take. Uniform of the week. Okay. This week goes to. Women's basketball for their new home uniforms. Nice. Those are the more than again. They're awesome. White ones. Yeah, they're white. They got like a nice black collar and like that. I don't know what you call that. Like a kind of like black belt looking thing. Yeah. Stop the pants. Black belt. I don't know. You'd think I'd know that since I like uniforms so much. Whatever. 
Um, it, they're just super clean, super clean. Uh, they're, yeah. they're, they're, I love the contrast. I'm looking at a photo right now. I just, they're really nice. Yeah, they look um, great. Men, men's basketball needs to step it up. I don't know why their uniforms are so much worse than women's, but <laughs> what can you do? That's why men's basketball never wins this award. And we'll see, because like I told you, at the end of the year, I'm mailing out a trophy to whichever team wins. And So are we doing this at the end of the calendar year, I'm assuming? Or are we doing it at the end of the, the school? Like the, probably not the end of the calendar year, right? I don't know. More like That's the end question. of the academic year, so that baseball and softball have like a – not softball. But more like what baseball. is it at right now? What is it at right now? Who's leading, you mean? Well, I want to see, is baseball close? Because if baseball is close, I so want to lead. baseball has won five times. Um, men's soccer is in the lead with nine. Yeah, I'm looking at eight. it. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it through the end of the sports season. Okay, I figured that makes that probably makes sense. That's kind of BS though, because like, so every sport gets to double dip except football. Yeah, <laughs> but, that is uh, that is true. Because it feels like very likely that baseball will with with the here's benefit how we're going to do it. Seasons. Here's how we're going to do it. We're yeah. uh, it's not going to be by total wins. It's going to be by ratio of games. Okay. So that's I'm gonna leave. I think I'm gonna leave that up to you. All the math on that. Yeah, but... I'll do. No, I'm not asking you to do the math. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, once we're done, I'll pull up how many games they played, and we'll do it. So that way, it's not affected by like multiple seasons. Or, cool. You know. okay. okay. That'll be interesting. I'm, I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to you mailing that trophy. I know. Suddenly, football's in the lead. I think. Yeah. <laughs> that's so. the case. But we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Well, with that, um, we want to wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving. Uh, enjoy the game on Friday, um, USF and USF, USF and USF, USF and UCF at the Bounce House on Black Friday. Uh, should be a fun one. Can't wait to be out there again. Uh, once again, thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back next week with episode 47. Until then, you can find us on Twitter at BaileyJAdams22, at ByCA Simmons, and at Night Sports Now. Thank you guys so much for being with us, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanksgiving food sucks. Bye, everybody.